Welcome to Engineering Career Journeys, brought to you by Australia-wide Engineering Recruitment. This is a podcast series where we interview prominent senior engineers from across Australia and delve deeper into their career journeys and how they got where they are today. We hope that this will inspire and assist up-and-coming engineers in planning their own careers. Now over to your host, David Armstrong, General Manager of Australia-wide Engineering Recruitment. Hello and welcome to today's conversation with Cheryl Davis. Cheryl originally studied computer science at Monash University and has held senior roles at several technology companies, positions including Director of Development and Software Engineering. For the past three years, Cheryl has been with Amazon Web Services in the position of Director, Software Development, based out of Seattle. Earlier this year in May, Cheryl started a new role with AWS based here out of Australia. Amazon Web Services is a subsidiary of Amazon that provides on-demand cloud computing platforms. Thanks very much to Cheryl for joining us. And let's begin at the start. Cheryl, why did you choose technology as your field of study? Um, I think it sort of chose me. Um, I, <laughs> I'm not young, so meaning that I'm old and, and technology wasn't even something people even thought about when I was at high school. But my early exposure to any form of sort of computing and technology was just something I was very comfortable with and something I really got excited about. But it wasn't a traditional path, so I didn't go straight into it. I sort of fiddled around doing more traditional things for a few years and then got lucky. And um, I was working for a, a large oil company at a time when technology was just sort of expanding quite significantly. And I was in the upstream oil and gas side doing work independently. And they said, you should be in our technology group. And I went, oh, that'd be great. And so off I went. Actually, the studies in computing that I did at Monash was actually later. Um, Mm -hmm. In the early days, I ended up self-taught or then that oil company actually put me through their graduate trainee program because of my potential. And I just loved it. It was clearly where I wanted to be. Fantastic. Um, I chose it because it's the nerd in me loves the building and problem solving involved. Mm -hmm. So you followed your passion. Correct. I followed my passion. And I think for long term in this industry at the sort of engineering or software development end, I think you do have to have a, a genuine passion for it. Yes. What was the biggest turning point, would you say, Cheryl, that would have accelerated your career? Okay, so I moved from, you know, working for commercial companies as a developer, building sort of commercial type systems, being fortunate enough to get hired by an independent software vendor. This is about 20 years ago now. And it was based here in Melbourne. And they were doing some exciting, you know, building some exciting products. And I'd never been exposed to that sort of thing before. And it just really spoke to me, building not bespoke for the company you worked for, but building for an independent software vendor. And I became even more passionate (laughs) about technology. I found that I was good at it. And one of the things I found that I was good at that they allowed me to do there was manage other developers and um, not everybody's 
great at that. There's a sort of a balancing act between being enough of a developer yourself that you comprehend the problems and being able to translate to management and also manage outcomes. And at that time, I hadn't realised it, but I sort of seemed to have a sweet spot in my skill set that landed me in that right balance point. And I think that sort of accelerated my career because it opened up for things that I had never thought of before. Which aspect of that did you find more challenging, the technical side or the people side? I found people management a little challenging because I hadn't trained for it or been exposed to it in the past. And so it was all new, but I didn't actually find the management of the people difficult because I understood the people deeply. And I think that makes a difference. In my experience, when you're managing um, developers or engineers, you have to manage each individual. And I'm sure this probably translates to other types of businesses, but I've never managed people from other types of businesses, so Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. But each engineer can often have their own sort of foibles. And the best engineers are often full of foibles, which you have to actively manage and allow them to work to their strengths. So I found that just a logical thing to do and it was very easy for me and and then over time I learned some of the the more useful performance management techniques and those sort of things but project management and people management you know in its raw sense I found very simple and it turned out that was a strength of mine Mm -hmm. and I just went with it. Very good and along the way have you had mentors and if so Cheryl how much have they helped you? In reality, I'm not sure that I really have. What I've had is people who've inspired me, so people Mm -hmm. whose actions or whose roles or whose way of working has made me want to be like that or do more or climb to the next, you know, step, try something new, those sort of things. So people who have inspired me. But being particularly starting out in Australia, and being female and being in technology, it's actually quite difficult to have useful mm. mentors. Mm. So a lot of what's happened in my career, which has been quite successful but has not been anywhere near as fast as it could have been under different circumstances, I really had to just work at it myself and just try to be in the right place at the right time. And you succeeded. I think so, yes. (laughs) Could you give me an example perhaps of you mentioned people that inspired you? Would you be able to give us an example of that? Yeah, look, one of my strengths tends to be in execution. So if you want something done and you want it done properly and you want it done on time and you want the people doing it to be happy and engaged and so on, you give, you know, I was very good at that. Mm-hmm. But the people that I found sort of more inspirational were those that could just think up new ideas, were very innovative. And I could innovate on process and efficiencies and optimizations of what we were doing. But the people that I found most inspirational were those that were innovative about what we build or what people might like or those sort of thoughts. And that, that wasn't my strength But what it did was it inspired me to go out of my comfort zone, to go to some startups, to to try new areas where that innovative thinking was more valuable and where I could sort of jump on the bandwagon and become part of an industry that was or part of companies that were trying to be cutting edge. 
and weren't building for something that was a known issue and a known level of success, but it was a risk. Okay. It's very interesting. Have you completed many postgrad studies? Yes, well, pretty much all my studies have been postgrad. It's a long and complicated story, and I won't go into it. But, um, but yes, I do have postgraduate qualifications, and I think I think they've been helpful mostly when it comes to getting the jobs internationally, like getting visas to work. I've had to get working visas in two countries now, and I feel like that simplifies the process. Mm-hmm. And particularly in the US where they do an equivalency, uh, an education equivalency thing before they'll allow you to work there, they do this sort of analysis and they say, okay, this master's degree from Monash University is the equivalent of this in the US and therefore we're bringing in somebody who's very qualified. That's how they look at it. Whether that's true or not is, is a different issue altogether, but that's how they look at it. So I think from the optics perspective, the postgraduate qualifications have been valuable to me. And to be fair, these days, you know, I mean, I was hiring a lot of people in the US, mainly at, and to a large degree, people who were just out of university and starting their first job. And almost all of those already had postgraduate qualifications. So it's becoming more the norm. As I say, I'm not young, um, but for the younger cohort coming through with computer science, that doesn't mean they won't get hired without it. But we're certainly looking at the best and the brightest as having already gone postgraduate. So it's something you strongly recommend? Yes. Very good. You mentioned the US, so you spent some time in, in, in Washington State. Yep. What did you learn, Cheryl, from your, from your time spent overseas, specifically in the United States? Oh, I, I could go on a real rant here about what it's like living in the US, but I won't do that. Um, <laughs> what I learned was that I wish I'd gone a lot earlier. I didn't for personal reasons. You know, I had a child in school and things like that, so I didn't want to disrupt that. But if you have the the right circumstances and you have the possibility, um, you should go. Now, having said that, the US in particular has just revised visas and a whole bunch of things. I think it's still relatively simple if you're an Australian citizen. So the opportunities are just endless. It's it's quite because you know all the large technology companies, all the exciting startups. You know, most of them are based out of the US somewhere and not all on the West Coast, but a lot on the West Coast of the US. And, um, you know, within AWS, a, a developer that was, you know, one with a few years experience, not yet as a senior developer level, if they got annoyed with you one day, within 20 minutes, they could have a new job internally within AWS because we were just hiring, every team was hiring so many people and there's no restriction on movement within AWS, they probably could have got within two weeks, and that's just to get through the process, a job at Google or Facebook or Microsoft or Tableau or Slack or like you name it. Um, These places were always hiring and anybody, and AWS has a very high hiring bar. I mean, some of the other companies do too, but essentially that in and of itself would have got you a fair way into the process very fast in the other things. So there are so many choices. You don't have to you don't have to sit around, you know, waiting for people to notice you or, or with a bad boss or bad technology. You just make a choice and go there. 
obviously, if you're coming from Australia, you have to redo your visa if you want to move. But I've done that. You know, I worked at multiple companies in the US and it's not impossible. It's not even all that difficult. So if you want a long-term technology career and you want to be exposed to the most interesting work, then unfortunately, mm-hmm. you have to go to the US. You could do like Google in the UK or places like that, but I still feel like being at the, you know, like being at AWS in Seattle where it all sort of started, where all the dis- major decisions were being made was incredibly exciting. And I'm really, really pleased I had the opportunity to do that. Must have been a very fast-moving, stimulating environment, was it? Incredibly fast-moving. And, um, you know, I mean, and they're very successful. It's the largest cloud provider on the planet by a long way. Mm-hmm. And so they're successful. They're making money. They also... AWS works in a way that's very what they call peculiar, which it's different to a way a lot of other companies work. And if that happens to resonate with you, it's also an exciting, exciting place to be. And, you know, I was part of a platform organization that was building this infrastructure that millions and millions of people were using. And I was part of the decision making process within that. And so it was and I kept sort of turning around thinking, this is me. Um, is this really happening? <laughs> but it was, and it was, uh, it was a very exciting place to be. Definitely sounds like it. Are you involved, Cheryl, in much personal development to stay abreast of changes within your area? Yeah, look, most recently, so before I moved to AWS, I'd done sort of nine years um, of storage-related technologies, and at that point I was finding ways to keep up to date on changes in the storage industry and virtualized storage and storage in the cloud and those sort of things. When I joined AWS, I went into a new domain that I'd never been exposed to before, which was identity. And so I had to find ways to to learn that. That was a pretty fast ramp up. And so it, it really depends on your domain and what you're sort of looking for. Most of my personal development either comes from training that the company provides or trying to keep up to date on the technology and the domain I need to be knowledgeable on. Now, I still know how to do that for identity um, and, you know, where to, where to find what's going on there. However, I've now just started just a few weeks ago a new role out of Australia, which I'm still trying to work out exactly what it means. It's much broader. So having a specific technological domain is not going to be relevant. I need to be across a lot more. So I'm still, I still don't know how that's going to work. Is it very challenging to do that given that your area is so fast moving and uh, ever changing? It is. I mean, one of the advantages you have at some, like at the moment, my role has become very generic cloud. What do enterprises need to migrate to, to modernise, those sort of things. And it's not like AWS is the only cloud provider out there, but it certainly it certainly has more services than any other cloud provider. So when you're at the sort of leading edge of it, you can keep up to date on a lot of things just by keeping up to date internally. Now, that in and of itself is a challenge if you look at what's being released every week from out of AWS. is quite challenging. But that tends to be my focus at the moment is what are we AWS doing with some obvious research on 
direct competitors will, will impact. When I was doing identity or storage or whatever, it's it's a you're looking in a lot more places for for the information. What would you describe as your greatest challenge during your career, and how did you overcome it? I think in some some ways, particularly in you know a few years ago, one of my greatest challenges was also a bit of an advantage. I spent several years managing teams of engineers that were at the top of their game, back-end, curmudgeonly, difficult, <laughs> but very, very, very clever. And I would often get a role and I'd just be turning up one day and all of a sudden a new team of people would now have me as their manager. And that is very challenging because I, they would often be quite dismissive, you know, um, being female in this world was never particularly easy. It's getting easier uh, and it was a lot easier for me in AWS in Seattle where there were far more senior women on the technology side, so it was not so unusual. But a lot of the roles I had, particularly in Australia, it was just unheard of. And so the people that I was managing would often be very dismissive. But in some ways I could turn that into an advantage because I could I had techniques, I had things I built up over the years to to subtly prove that I knew what was going on um, and I did understand the technology. But this was a little less of the, I don't know how to describe this in language that's polite. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, where often when you get a new male technology leader with those sort of engineers, there, there ends up being a, a sort of a tension, a fight between who knows more and who's right. They never started like that with me. They always started a little dismissive and then I earned their, you know, their trust and their respect and it just went all very positive from there, whereas I've seen it go badly with men in the same thing. So it's not right. It's not how it should be. And as I say, things are getting better. But I think being a female in building very complicated back-end technologies was always a struggle because there just weren't any really. I'm sure that's not true. I'm sure there were others, but it was there's just so few that people just sort of rolled their eyes and expected that you were just a project manager and moved on. Do you still feel that challenge in the current environment? I don't know whether that would any longer be true for somebody coming up now working within Australia. Um, as I said, in Seattle, in AWS, it wasn't a problem because there were just, not that the numbers were great, mind you, but there were a number of people at my level and above who were purely running technology teams, and that was seen as a perfectly normal thing. So I never experienced that in the US, amusingly. Um, yeah, it was always here because I was a bit odd, I suppose, <laughs> as far as nobody had really, um, there wasn't many people even running sort of those sort yes. of cutting edge technology teams. And there certainly were very few women. Significant challenge and hopefully one that's decreasing. Yep, it is decreasing. Uh, I, I still don't think it's behind us, but it's definitely mm. decreasing. Is there anything that you'd look back and do differently? Look, I think if I had realised how many opportunities I could have had earlier on and how valuable they would have been, I would have probably moved to the US sooner. Believe me, I didn't really enjoy living in the US and I loved my job. I loved all the people I worked with, but 
you know, it wasn't a country I felt particularly comfortable in. And I love living in Australia. But from a career perspective, there is no doubt that I could have moved more quickly and to more interesting roles by being there much earlier mm-hmm. in my career. What streams of engineering do you think provide the best career opportunities for engineers moving into the future? I think, you know, we're in the middle of this pandemic and people, I think jobs are changing. People are working from home a lot more or finding, trying to find jobs that work better from home. There is never going to be a shortage of roles in any form across all sorts of uh, of engineering, whether you want to be you know, a front-end engineer or you want to be a data scientist or you want to be into machine learning or or any even the more traditional traditional roles. But there's going to be lots of roles regardless. And at the moment I found, I particularly found when I was in Seattle at AWS, you know, if you put machine learning somewhere in the ad, you know, you got a lot more people because everybody was very excited about that. That's where I want to be. That's the thing. And it is true, there's a lot going on and it will be very valuable work and it's fun for engineers. But it's not all that's going on, it's not all that we need. And it is almost certainly true that in most of more traditional work, you could bring in innovation and thinking along those lines anyway. So I don't. I think you should stream to what actually interests you. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're... If that data mining, data science stuff really resonates, we'll move off in that direction. If you think you're going to be good at machine learning and you're not doing it just because it's the latest thing, go there. If you are really into interaction design and you want to be a clever front-end engineer, go there. Like there's going to be no shortage of roles, um, no shortage of jobs for those people who are good. And so being good at what you do and following the thing that interests you most, I think, is more important than streaming to a particular topic. Great advice. Thank you, Cheryl. In summary, what are your key messages that you'd like to share with up-and-coming engineers? Well, I think one of the messages is there's never going to be a lack of work. So make sure you're really, you know, as follow the passion, follow the, the area yes. that you're really interested in so it doesn't become boring. But the other thing is that there is plenty of evidence from studies that was done, and I know anecdotally that I see it myself, that the more diverse an engineering team is or the people in it and surrounding it, the more diverse the opinion are, the more interesting and innovative and exciting the products are that you will build. So don't just surround yourself with people like you. It's something that we all have a tendency towards. It's quite natural. It's very human. But I know that my teams do better and build better and think around corners much better when the when the makeup of that team is diverse. And it could be diverse along different axes. Uh, this is not just gender-based. There's a whole set of things that could add to diversity. And that, I think, is very important. So... Don't get stuck in the just associating with the just like me. You need to you need to open your mind and engineers will do better when they can 
be innovative when they can, as we would say at AWS, think big. And that is assisted by your environment and the sort of people that you're interacting with. If they're all like you, you're never going to think of anything new. What a great message. Inclusion, diversity. Yes. Fantastic. Um, and Yeah. And as I say, I've seen the evidence, right? I've, uh, I've seen the, the difference it makes when you bring that extra opinion in the room and someone says, but what about, and everybody just has an aha moment. And, and you only get that if you bring in the right people. Very interesting, Cheryl. Thank you so much for your time. It's been lovely to talk with you. Cheryl Davis, Director of Software Development at Amazon Web Services. Thanks so much for your time. You're welcome. We hope you have enjoyed this podcast episode of Engineering Career Journeys. Please like, subscribe and provide feedback. Australia-wide engineering recruitment can be found at australiawide.com.au or on our LinkedIn page. We look forward to presenting more interviews with interesting engineers shortly.